I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think every manager is a hustler, you mm. know. And I had an undeniable hustle in terms of I was relentless, uh, relentless in everything, you know. This is Music Made Me Do It, a podcast from Loud and Quiet magazine. I'm Stuart Stubbs, and each week I'll be speaking to people who felt compelled to start their own successful companies within the music industry. One of the most inspiring things about becoming a music manager is that there's no real set way to go about it. You can't just take a course in managing artists or gain a qualification that's going to guarantee success. It's not like learning to become a lawyer or a doctor or even a music producer. It's something of a level playing field where passion and hard work are prerequisites, but where anyone can literally approach it however they like. Aware of this, Gov Singh practiced set up his own course in the business side of music management by reading books and watching documentaries on past mythical managers. He was determined to educate himself on how to get the best deals for the artists he didn't have yet. Today, within his own company, Catalyst Management, he manages major players in the world of Afro swing, grime and UK dance music, including the highly influential producers Steel Bangles and Swift Abita, and rappers Mist and Michael Dapper, who under his commitment Comedic alter ego Big Shaq went viral with his track Man's Not Hot. Along the way, Gov has set up a dessert delivery company for fellow stoners at Leeds University and launched a trampoline park. But his entrepreneurial spirit first dovetailed with his love of music when at the age of 17, he began putting on baseline, garage and grime raves in and around his hometown of Derby. I was a big fan of music and I could never see the DJs or... Um, the MCs that I wanted to see mm. in my city. Right. So I was just like, uh, I'll bring them myself. <clears throat> so I was working in a restaurant as a waiter um, and I'd use my wages to fund it, really. It didn't make a lot of them. Sometimes I made a loss, break even, whatever. But for me, it wasn't necessarily about the money. It was more about gaining that contact Sure. of the DJ and knowing I'm that guy in that region so when it did come to I knew I wanted to be in music so when it came to my plan later on they'll remember me and you know it can and we could do business sure so I always had that in the back of my mind were you good was it success were the nights successful yeah no the nights were successful um, eventually you know mm-hmm. it was a long hard graft six seven years but eventually they became successful. And um, I always say, if you can fill a whole room out full of ravers, if you're a successful promoter, you can be, you can do anything in the world because promoting is one of the hardest jobs ever. Mm. So 
and yeah now you know 10 years down the line you got launching a huge 15,000 cap festival next year with some of the biggest festival promoters in in Europe with some of the biggest acts in Europe and the world on there so yeah it's uh, pretty cool so you've still got the the promotion side of things is still in you You're yeah like, the, yeah 100% it's a passion for me you know uh, I was like ownership I'm close with some of the big kind of festival promoters um, across Europe across the world to be honest with you so I'm always kind of hands-on with the live shows for my artists the negotiations the placement I help a lot of big festivals with the booking of their acts and the positioning of you know they'll come to me for advice like who do you think we should book from here what states or whatnot so I kind of consult a lot with that so it's still very much within me yeah mm. So you started when you were 17 promoting. Yeah. What year was that? What, what, what that year was 2007. Right, okay. Yeah. Where then does management come into it? Uh, so I went to university in Leeds in 2008, mm-hmm. carried on promoting. During that, my first ever act was a beatboxer. I started managing his bookings. You know, he was hot then. It was, I was in the student vibe, so we could get a lot of shows because beatboxing was pretty cool and unique, unique, you know? Yeah. And it was a wow factor. I gained quite a big network from that. So that's where it kind of evolved, the whole management side of things, mm-hmm. plugging him in with promotions and plugging him in with the network of other promoters I knew. And that's where I met Tom Zanetti because he was a promoter. He actually booked my beatboxer. What was the name of your beatboxer? Uh, Lipical. And was he a friend of your? Like, was he yeah, someone he was that like, he was he, a mate? So you were managing Yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. He was like a friend, a mate. We we eventually moved in together, so we lived together for three years. But his strong point was writing songs and uh, being a soul singer, which is where we took a different direction and kind of had some success as a rock songwriter and singer. You know, we had like Radio One Daytime playlist. We had Reading and Leeds Festival. We had quite a few big gigs. So that was really where I grasped how a manager should work and operate. Hence, then I took this to Tom Zanetti, who is a huge dance act on my roster, who was unmanaged at the time, and I saw potential in. Eventually got a record deal and it's got a platinum and gold single right now. So, yeah, that was Leeds. Sure. How did you know what a manager does and what you needed to do to become a manager? Did you have anyone, did you know any managers? Could you, was that um, someone you could take advice from at all? No, I, I didn't know any managers. I didn't have anyone really. A lot of it was reading and watching documentaries on music managers, industry managers, mm. whether it was a manager from the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, or his Dame Dash with Jay-Z, it, I, I kind of just uh, studied the greats, in a sense. Sure. Studied the greats, studied how they operate business, how they present themselves, um, what the perception of the modern day manager was. And yeah, it was a learning process. There was some obviously basic mistakes made along the way, but you know, you're always going to learn, always. It's, it's a, you're never going to be a polished manager everyone's always going to make mistakes you have 10 hits in a row the 11th one will probably not be a hit you know so it's just about not being uh, afraid to fail and a lot of it's psychology with an artist gotta have trust and loyalty with them understand that kind of that you're both on a, a linear vision the same vision and just execute it efficiently hmm. yeah 
So what was it just in terms of you're putting on raves yeah. essentially because there are like these people aren't coming to your town. So you're like, I'm going to put on some parties. Yes. And you, you're good at it. And it's like it's taking off and people are coming. Yeah. What is it that makes you decide I want to actually I want to manage people because it's kind of a totally different thing, right? It's like it's a it's a it's a different ball game in a yeah. way was it what yeah. was it about that that, I mean, that appealed to you because i was promoting art i was promoting an event i was promoting the artists you know i was liaising with artists a lot of the artists that i was booking were underground acts that didn't have managers themselves so you know it was a, a scatty operation dealing with underground garage djs and mcs back then you know and everything was pretty hands-on and uh, like I said, I, I just I was always interested in the business side of music. I was never a good musician myself, right? You know, but I was interested in everything surrounding the artists. Like I was, I'm always a guy to question the process of how something happens or how something's got there or how that product ended up there. Like I always kind of question the process wherever I go. It's just it's just a habit that I have. And I was just interested in the process of how an artist got to where he got to. Because as a, a standard kind of uh, consumer, you just see the finished end product. But, you know, and it looks great, it looks glossy. But what I really wanted to know is what went into that. And obviously I just, using the internet and books and stuff, and studying great producers like Rick Rubin, just kind of the creative process and relationships with artists, but then also, you know, I, I studied the music industry from, from a young age, you know, the differences between records and publishing. And, and from there, I just, I just wanted to be involved in the industry. And I thought, and I had an undeniable hustle. I think every manager is a hustler, you mm. know, and I had an undeniable hustle in terms of I was relentless, I, relentless in everything, you know, like if I put a rave on it, it didn't go well, I wouldn't be sad, you know, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, how can I learn, move on, boom, on to the next one? And I feel that, yeah, you can't get caught up in your emotions as a manager because that will make you weak because it's a volatile industry that can that can destroy a, a human soul you know mm. yeah i was i was ready for it i've been quite strong-minded from a young age so i just thought this is the industry i want to be in applied for hundreds of jobs and apprenticeships not apprentice internships um at all the major record labels and everything you know got rejected <laughs> on every single one sure um it is what it is but um and like i said i never let that stop me mm. you know so was that post university? You went. That was during university, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and just after as well. After I left uni, I worked. Uh, I worked at Arcadia um, for about a year. Mm -hmm. So the Arcadia Group, uh, top man, top shop, and all that stuff. Sure. And even when I was there, I was just in the social media marketing and consumer, customer service. And even whilst I was there, I randomly. I'm in an office of two hundred people, and you know the head of the operations office is right at the end who you never you see everyone fears no one speaks to him you know and i just thought you know fuck this let me go let me just i just went into his office one day and i was i can't remember the guy's name but i was like you know i do music i manage producers he's looking at me like right you just i don't even he don't even know who i am but i'm like your hold music for customers is so shit why don't you let me produce a new soundtrack for Topshop, yeah? Let me reproduce your hold music and let's do a mixtape collection like the sound of Topshop and put it in, in all the stores and you can give it, 
you know, it can be some summery house collection, but you can have it in all the stores. People that will buy your clothes will get the CD and put it in their car. And straight away, <clears throat> he was like, oh, this kid's kind of got something here, you know? So randomly from that, it came out of a meeting and he just kept emailing me like, well, let's talk because I think this is a great idea. Looping me in with the marketing department. You know, the rest of my team are looking at me like, well, what the hell are you doing? Kind of thing, you know, what are you speaking to him about? Um, but I just kind of had the balls to do that and just walked into his office and said, I think this is what you need to do. With Topshop being such a big company, it, um, it, took, it was taking a long time and I couldn't work there anymore. Mm. You know, I just had enough of that nine to five life sure and eventually just left anyway so have they done it since no they yeah. don't think they have you know if, you, if you're listening mr green i'm still here you know um but yeah they've not done it since um but the fact is that you were kind of a junior member of the team i was the lowest of the low bottom of the rung bottom and of you the just rung. thought no i'm gonna go and 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 that idea that you came up with it wasn't as if that was a task you'd been you'd been working on there it was just an idea a, a, an independent idea that yeah 100 percent. where i thought oh these girls that go into top shop you know to buy their clothes and or they spent 30 quid and even if they get a mixed cd for free or two three pound or whatever it's just something it's a different selling point on the front of your car the sound of top shop and i thought it was genius and everyone around me thought it was genius so i just thought you know you know why not so from that moment, I was just like, I just weren't really uh, afraid to attack the big, the big dogs, you know? I've yeah. never been that guy to, because I've always wanted to be them. So in order to be them, you, you, you gotta swim with the sharks, as they say. Yeah. So uh, straight away, I, I jumped in at the deep end, you know? Were you managing artists at the same time? Um, yeah, I just started managing Tom at that point. Right. Yeah, but obviously there's no income you need to, you need to finance this stuff so I, I had to work you know but then I left and moved back to Derby and then during a two three year period throughout managing Tom I launched <laughs> crazy so I launched a trampoline park that's a that's it, a left turn yeah, isn't it's, it? a, it's a crazy left turn um, I was you know I was at home the beatbox singers it wasn't really working out he kind of went into depression mode because he flopped uni i graduated i came home from my experience at arcadia i didn't want to work for anyone so my mum's stressing me you need to do something you need to do something and then so here's what happened sorry i got it the wrong way around so i went to the printer's trust to get some money because what it was is when I was at uni, when you're at uni, you're surrounded by a lot of stoners, yeah? And I was a little bit of a stoner. And, you know, I had an idea where you're late night in your, in your student's flat and you have the munchies. You'd love to get a cheesecake or a milkshake delivered to you at 2 a.m. And I was like, why can't we do that? So I came back to Derby. I had, a, I had an idea for a dessert delivery service called That Pudding Place. I went to the Prince's Trust I got the investment. I started that up for a year. During the course of starting that up, that absolutely boomed. I had staff ready. And then an idea, an investor came, to, well, a guy came to me needing investment 
for an idea called a trampoline park you know it was a, it was actually a club owner what i used to do my raves at he came to me and said i've got this idea i've got everything in place so i went to the the guy who ran the princess trust scheme because privately he was a private investor as well i came to him with the idea we got the investment we, that was a side project launched the park um built it up i sold my shares um, and, and then what happened was towards the late, later end of that pudding place we released a track on SoundCloud called Darling Tom's and Eddie Did and it was picking up mad traction on SoundCloud and I sent it to DJ Target who wanted to sign it to his label at Columbia so there's my first record deal and I've got a dessert, I've got a booming dessert parlor, and then I've got my first record deal, which I've been, which is a dream for me. So I'm stuck in the middle, thinking, do I risk it all? Because I can either do, I only do one or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. I came to my unit one day, and it was flooded. Uh, there was cheesecakes floating everywhere, and I thought, you know what, this is a sign. Well, it was, was there yeah, was like rainfall. It was, or was a, it a, a, dr- a burst pipe. Right. Okay. A burst pipe, and I was just like, I can't be asked with this anymore. And so I sold that on, focused fully on music, and that is from Tom Zanetti's first record deal, is where kind of everything started. 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 Yeah, that's when money started coming in, shows and- started coming in, endorsements industry links remixes and boom that's where the network built from and this is what is this like two years out of uni or three, uh yeah three yeah two years out of uni i'd say two so you're years. like 23 I'm, I'm like 23 24 okay. yeah 23 23 yeah okay yeah and it's suddenly happening it's suddenly yeah, it's it, suddenly boom okay i'm having meetings in the sony building and i always knew once i get in that building you know i'm taking over do you know what i mean so that was kind of my ethos and once i was in there boom we just worked it worked it worked it you know you want me went platinum you know but during that time obviously more opportunities were coming my way swifter beater who's one of my producers i used to book him for my baseline raves he just made man don't care jamie and gigs which was a huge record he needed management i thought why not took him on so that's your second client your that's second, my second yeah that, that yeah. was my second artist took him on producers are relatively easy work to be honest with you because they're just studio geeks they're doing they're, their thing they do their like, thing yeah. and and you just get deals so you know i signed tom's record deal then i signed his publishing deal took swifter on signed his publishing deal to warner chapel and then i think where it really got cracking is when i discovered mist mm. I discovered Mist when he was a, a homeless orphan, you know, living in a one-bedroom hostel from a freestyle, literally fresh out of jail. And is this about, this is about, what, three years ago from now? Yeah, three and a half. Okay. Yeah, like three and a half, four years, yeah. Well, I really felt his pain in the freestyle and I just thought, oh, I need this guy. So I went to meet him, you know, I said, I wanted him that bad. I said, I'll manage you for free until we make, until we make money. And he, he can't say he has nothing to lose in that sure. circumstance. So I just invested my own money that I was making from Tom's and Eddie and the little deals here and there into Mist, um, who obviously he is where he is now, isn't it? Mm. So step by step. Gov says that while promoting raves in the Midlands and Yorkshire, he was building up a feel for regional sounds. As a manager working with artists like Mist and Swift the Beater, who are both from Birmingham, he's now bringing those regional sounds to the mainstream. 
Gov is very honest about the ambition he has for himself and his artists. And while he's come from the underground, his goal has always been to sign big deals with big labels. Our first advance was £12,000. So as the management, you're making, what, £2,400, 20% commission? Yeah. So that was essentially what I was working with. But, yeah. you know, from there is, you know, I bought myself a new laptop. I was doing everything, all the invoices, the advancing for the shows, going to the shows, going to label meetings, doing all the releases, like everything. With that first two grand, two and a half yeah. grand, at that point, you kind of... I'm guessing don't know how long you need to make that last. You're like, this is what I've got for now. I need to now make more. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then, you know, thank God, Tom started getting a lot of shows in. Live scene was popping. And he's had a, he's had a very, very, he's got the strongest live scene of my roster to this date, you know. Wow. Okay. So literally from, from when the record label came in and we got started, he started getting spun on radio and, and doing a bit of, press and whatnot things that he'd never done before mm. you know people knew the songs but they didn't know about him which was great it's a great position to be in you know yeah. if they know you and not your songs it's a bit, yeah. but they knew the song before they knew him which was great so then it was like okay cool i'm comfortable now i don't need to worry about the financial element now i can just build and build and build and then then miss came into play like i said was there ever a point during this pre-mist, say, yeah, where it looked like it was going wrong? Was was there any like kind of bad mistakes you made or things where you just thought this? No, this is this isn't going to work for me. No, I wanted it too bad, and I was too focused to even let that come in my mind. Yeah. Even if I did make a mistake, to me it wasn't a mistake. Yeah, it was a learning curve. So to me, nah, there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever, one bit. I told you as soon as you let me in one of the major buildings, there's no way I can go down from there. I know the industry too well. I studied it too. I just seen the culture. I've been a part of it. I was in the trenches with it. You can't remove me from it. Yeah, yeah. That was my mentality. Sure. Yeah. You find yourself in like Sony and, and in yeah. these big buildings. Then one of your roles as a manager is to like kind of get the deal done, get the money. Yes. How do you even know how much your worth or your artists should get? Like, is that just, was that just from books? Because every case is a I think, different. Yeah. With Tom Zanetti, that was my first gamble. If I had known You Want Me would be a platinum record, of course I wouldn't negotiate that. But it's the first offer that comes to you ever. You know, I'm excited. Tom's excited. Wow. So you kind of just do it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, looking back at it now with the wealth of experience I've got, it's a different ball game. Hmm. Even when labels negotiate with me now, they know they can only talk to me on a certain level because I'm not that young dumb kid essentially that I was with a with a dance act from Leeds just coming in fresh to the industry and then obviously your lawyer is really important as well so you know I've got a great relationship my lawyer's been with me from the start you know he's helped the, the growth of my business we have a great relationship and how did you find him my mum just found him randomly on Google that's, nice that's the story so from when she picked him she's like go and meet this guy Sonny looks alright I was like alright cool met him we bonded ever since and he's caught some of the biggest deals in the music industry today with me so yeah Sweet. it's pretty sick we, we grew together yeah that's nice yeah that's nice to yeah. have someone like that yeah 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 he was a good guy one of the things that i think when i think of becoming a manager yeah is 
is this moment where you stop being, you kind of start as a manager, you've got a friend and you're managing and your friend's like, you manage me. So you start managing your friend. Yeah. Then that kind of gets that point where you're, it's suddenly business now. Yeah. And you're, you're still friends, but yeah. you're a manager now. Yeah. I'm guessing loads of it comes down to kind of the loyalty between like the artist and you, because you hear all of these kind of stories from the history of music where people just suddenly go, oh, I'm going to get, they get bigger. So they want to go to a bigger manager. Yeah. Is that ever been a, a, a worry of a thinking, worry. oh, hang on. Like this person might now go, the label might want them to be managed by someone else. Yeah. Or, Obviously, you get thoughts in the back of your mind, but I think as a manager, if you have that worry, then you're not doing your job right. It's as simple as that, you know? If that worry or ever comes into your mind, then you've done something wrong. You've got to have self-confidence and belief. I mean, I truly believe, you know, Touchwood, all my artists are happy right now. We've had ups and downs and arguments, as you do, but... At the end of the day, I've started their careers for them, uh, you know, um, organically, when no one else was giving them the time of day. No one gave a shit about them before I came along. So we have that. And we've, like I said, we've been on tour. We've shared single beds together, sleepless nights, back-to-back shows, hustle. Like, I've been there with them through it. I know them inside out, all of them. You know, I know how they work. I know what they like, what they don't like, what their favorite food is, what they're going to wear, their shoe size, everything about them inside out. And for another person to come along and do that, it will just take them 10 steps back. But I say to all my artists, if you ever want to leave, forget the contracts. You can leave whenever you want because the day you want to leave is the day I don't want to manage you anymore because that relationship is not going to be there. I don't want to keep you if you're not here. But now I'm at a stage as a manager where I can do that because it's work time and if you don't want to work you want to leave leave there'll be plenty more acts coming my way because artists technically have a shelf life a management company and a brand technically don't because Mm. you can keep going on and on and on and on forever because i've got a wealth of knowledge i'm not the one on the screens you know sure you guys age i can age till 60 and still manage you can't age to 60 and still you know shell down festivals <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's it's as simple as that really sure yeah hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then mist comes along. Yeah. And it kind of takes it to a to another, another level. Another level. Is yeah. that when you formed your company, when you formed Catalyst? Uh, I formed Catalyst from Tom Zanetti. But yeah, I say when Catalyst was really making the noise was, yeah, it was from Mist, to be honest with you, because it was at the rise of UK rap. He was from Birmingham, the biggest act outside of London in UK rap history, period. Signed, you know, one of the biggest deals Warner Brothers has seen. In, in the past like two decades that was when yeah people started noticing and ringing my phone like you're about this life and then with Mist came Steel Bangles and that was an organic connection me and Mist used to go stay at Bangles house in the studio to make music you know I used to sleep in the booth you know, and I, I eventually lived up lived with Bangles for about eight months in the studio right Mist would float in and out but during them t- periods where it was just myself and Bangles would talk, he's a deep visionary, as am I. We'd um, discuss how his plans, and that kind of became a natural management situation. It's almost like a hat to. And that was that. Bangles didn't have no money. He was depressed at that stage. He was an alcoholic as well. I bought him, his laptop exploded. I brought him, I brought him his laptop. And I said, bro, just fucking get on with it. And yeah, you know, we got, we got the record deal, we got the publishing deal. Last night I was in the studio with Wizkid and Black Coffee. The level's just been crazy. So that was that. And, and with that kind of like success that comes now, obviously loads changes with that. I'm guessing you know, yeah. the, the amount of, the opportunities all change, but yes. what changes in terms of your, what you're doing? Like um, your role as a manager? Yeah, so it changed for the past like 18 months, it was really difficult because I'm building a company at the same time. I'm working on the business and not in the business. You understand? So they're two different things. And I've been very used to working in the business day to day with all my artists, you know, very much involved. So there were tricky periods because I've got to think about paying rent for the officers, paying staff, you know, a filing system, accounting system, all this shit that, uh, you know, I never had to think about because I've been doing it myself for so long. So that took a little strain, but now finally I told them, bear with me through the storm. And now I'm in a position where I don't have to come into my office if I don't want to. I can spend a whole day in the studio with Mist again or with Bangles or with Tom or with whoever. But for 18 months, it was tough because there's so many deal negotiations, so many meetings. I'm building this company and payroll schemes and finance and financial audits and all this shit that comes with running an actual business as well as the main thing that started me which was being a manager i'm now a ceo so there's there's still two so it's like you're in two worlds you know but it, it was me building an infrastructure where everything my artists need they can get without me being there so that was really it, you know, to provide an infrastructure, a solid infrastructure around each artist. You know, they all have their own day-to-day managers, their assistants. Well, we have two company executive assistants for their needs, in-house financial department, my lawyer, you know. So all these things I had to set up 
but no one taught me it's just me watching I have a few mentors now in the industry that I speak to a lot about things you know Andy Varley taught me a lot from from insanity from how to you know he's similar to me he built his company from his bedroom now he's got 36 staff you know and, you know, I've only got seven so but you know I'm a long way away from that but you know he went through a period where the people who was he was getting hitting number ones now weren't hitting number ones so then he moved into the social influencer world and then he did it you know he fought through bad times and did did a big deal with Sony now he now you know everything's solidified so you know I speak to people like this my friend Obi who runs Echo Talent one of the biggest agencies in Europe you know who's got one of the biggest roster major laser Diplo flipping gigs you know you name it so I speak to these guys about the building of a company because managerial skills I've kind of got that with my artists like I know how to act with them but building a company is is a completely different thing mm. you know it's have you enjoyed doing that side of things on not- <sighs> it's been stressful I'm not gonna lie it's a stress it's very very stressful I'm happy as to where it is but it's been a painful ride man to be honest with you staff staff issues and a lot of your staff don't have the same not the same vision you've got people that are visionaries then you've got like nine to fivers who just want to be comfortable get a solid wage and go home at the end of the night mm. and you know not everyone is the same as you which is something you have to realize and uh, adapt to to facilitate their needs keep them happy just as you motivate your artists you have to motivate your staff too so now it's different angles it's coming at which is it's a lot <laughs> a lot to learn yeah it's a lot to learn yeah but do you think it takes a certain type of person to become a, a music manager yeah 100 percent. it's not for everybody a lot of people think oh the title's great and it's all flossy and glossy you know bollocks if you've not got you need big bollocks to be to be a music manager you need um you need to have a high stress threshold higher stress threshold than anybody else you know little things that will stress the average person out oh i haven't got a dress to wear tomorrow for my dinner like things like that like people will overthink that shit for ages and it can affect them it doesn't affect me a lot of problems major problems have happened if you let it affect you you can, you can have a breakdown so you just could have a solid mental barrier absolutely rock solid mental barrier to be a music manager yeah. a successful one yeah yeah and what's uh I take nothing personal either yeah is that that's the that's the key is it that's the key artists take everything personal creatives take everything personal if you're CEO boss build an empire if you took everything personal you'll just be stuck in the same place you won't move on to the next phase there's that kind of old saying that artists employ managers to say no for them because artists have you know yeah 100% 100% couldn't agree more we've got to do their dirty work (laughs) it's as simple as that so yeah it's happened my whole life happens every day so what have you got in mind for, for Catalyst and next? What's the, f- the future look like to you? Obviously, we've just, you know, we, we look after Michael Dapper. I've had the world's biggest UK rap hit ever. Man's not hot, three times platinum worldwide. But he's also an actor, a comedian. So, you know, live comedy tour, a huge feature film with him. So I'm delving into other worlds, you know. Um, what's next for Catalyst? We work with a few premiership footballers. So there's a sports division en route. Um, so it's just kind of uh, building a kind of global empire, really, um, is my plan, you know. Just um, building up the value of my company and really becoming a powerhouse in this. I've got the record label deal with Warner. 
just about to ink a publishing deal, JV with Warner Chapel, first company to do a JV with Warner Chapel in 15 years, uh, which is which is great for me. There's a reason I chose them because they're a boutique publisher, so it, you know just add more flavour to their to their roster. Um, so yeah, it's now ownership and being being a conglomerate. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I think is amazing about, like, when you look at Mist's videos, yeah, they're just huge-looking videos. Yeah, that that was um, that's all really me and Mist, to be honest with you. Every single video we've ever done has been independently funded and independently directed and produced by us. We come up with the ideas. We flew out to Dubai. We flew out to Iceland where we won the Mobo. We do it on budgets that labels could never do it on. So labels come to us and ask us for advice, but that's why we're setting up our own, you know, because we're them guys and we're the ones who win the awards. How do you do it on those budgets? How it's do you make it about re I've got a nice international database and resources all over the world. Hot property in Iceland cost us 13 grand. It'll cost a label 60, 70 grand to get them shots. But we just grafted it out three days with the camera, locations, jumped out, boom, 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 back in the van, boom, next one. And we just got what we got, you know, we got the, it was, that was an amazing, amazing experience, to be honest with you, going to Iceland, that just sent the world mad. And then Game Changer, we was in Kenya, what people don't understand, we was in Kenya in, in the jungle for six days six day video shoot no one does six days on the video you know well, no one makes videos anywhere near that anymore yeah, because yeah. no one's got the money like yeah, you know the labels even the yeah. biggest labels don't want to invest that much yeah, in a but, video yeah but, but our whole point is when we signed to our label we told them look videos is a big part of it so we need to continue doing it Music Made Me Do It is produced by Dream Team and Loud and Quiet and edited by Emma Snook. For more information, please visit loudandquiet.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast app to receive all future episodes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.